0: Today's episode of Talking with TK is brought to you by Populous. Populous is a leader in management consulting, sales training, and workplace wellness programs. Visit them online at www.populus.com.au. Welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Connell. Episode 56 of the podcast, and our special guest today is none other than the champion himself, Archie Thompson. Archie's one of my favourite soccer players when I was growing up. A little bit older than me, but you know, he set a fantastic standard, especially in the A-League, when you consider how many seasons he absolutely dominated here for the Melbourne victory. What really sticks out for me was two two things. Uh, He's socceroos. He was in that that first leg he started against Uruguay. Had a pretty good performance as well. He also holds the world record for most goals in one match. From memory, I think it's 13 goals. I'm pretty sure, I'm sure we'll probably talk to him about that. Actually, it is 13. I'm just having a look at my notes as we speak. Also played 224 games in the A-League. So, Quite an impressive resume, really liking what he's doing on TV right now. Him and Daniel McBreen, especially if you haven't seen it yet, check them out on Thursday night on Fox Sports. They have a great show that's hosted by Tara Rushton, and they give you plenty of insights into the A-League, a little bit of comedy there as well. So definitely, if you haven't checked it out, check out Arch on the show. Just before we get Archie on the show, just a big thank you to everyone Tuning into the show, subscribing, which is free to do via iTunes, if you haven't done yet, you can either you can subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or if you're an Android user, probably the easiest way is to check out the website www.talkingwithtk.com. If you're a regular listener and you haven't yet, please, if you can, leave me a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps me grow in the charts, which has been enormous over the last month. At the moment, I'm really ranking in that top 30 shows in the sports directory on iTunes. So a big big thank you to everyone tuning in. I'm very grateful for all the support that you're sharing me. If you want to connect with me, please send me a tweet on Twitter. I'm at TalkingWithTK. Or simple way, you can just email me at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Always really happy to hear any suggestions for the show or also any guest requests. I would love to hear them. All right, guys, let's get straight to it. And I introduce Archie Thompson. All right, guys, my special guest is Archie Thompson. Archie is a legend of Australian soccer. He's capped 54 times for the Socceroos and also holds the world records for 13 goals in an international match. He's played 224 games in the A-League for the Melbourne victory, while he's also played overseas in Belgium and Netherlands. Away from the game, he's established himself as a leading analyst at both Foxbox and Croc Media, and I'm happy to have on the show today Archie Thompson. Archie, welcome, buddy. Hey, mate. How are
1: we? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Excited about Christmas and spending time with the family.
0: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, thanks so much for stopping by the show. Larch, like I mentioned to you when we've had a few chats, man, really impressed with your transition into commentary, man. Tell me a little bit about how that side of things first evolved and how you continue to grow on that side of things.
1: Well, I think it was was basically my time... um, you know, playing football that, you know, whenever I kind of got up and talked in the media, I think everyone kind of liked uh, my honesty and, and sort of the, uh, um, the character that I that I am. And, um, <laughs> you know, so everyone kind, of, everyone kind of related to me. And, um, you know, sometimes I might say things that shouldn't be said, but, um, you know, I think that's why everyone kind of related to me because I was honest. And um, These days, everyone kind of kind of gets monitored or almost gets told what to say. I mean, you've got to nail these key points, make sure you don't say this, make sure you don't say that. Yeah. Um, so, it's you know, you don't get to sometimes say things that you really feel. And i am found now that I'm not in um, in the sort of, you know, in that inner circle of being a footballer and you've got to watch what you say. Uh, you kind of can express yourself a little bit more, but then I think that's also too, I've, I've, I've still got to find that transition, um, you know, going into media, where you've got to almost be critical. I don't hate to be critical on, on 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 players and what they should do in this situation, what they should do in that, because you know it's easy to be able to sit back on an armchair or in a, in a, on a panel and go, "Okay, oh, should have done this, should have done that." But then, you know, you've got split seconds to be thinking about certain things on a pitch, and you know, um, so it's easy to be, a, a, and that's one thing I've got to learn to be a bit better at is that, uh, you know. Hopefully that I've got enough respect from all the players that kind of go okay, yeah, no, he knows what he's talking about. He can yeah. be critical there, knowing that I'm not having a go at him. But and that's the thing I've, I've got to try to get used to. Um, I think about being in that sort of media world now, but um, I'm enjoying it. And I think the last sort of year or two years of my football career, Murray Shaw sort of said to me, you know, the producer of, of Fox Sports for yeah. uh, the football side of things. Um, just sort of said, look, um, how much do you want to be more? Invo- do you want to be more involved coming towards the end of your career or after that sort of transition um, after football? I was like, yeah, straight away, and you know, it's it's still a learning curve. I'm, I'm I still get a the odd text on there saying you can't say that, you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm learning it with anything, you know, the more practice you have, the better
0: you get. Yeah, for sure. Arch, what's it like, you know, when you're sitting, because you're on a lot of panel shows, so there's like three or four with you with, like, the host. How do you figure out, like, whose turn is it to speak? Is there someone in your ear saying, Arch, it's your go? <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: no, that's... Uh, that's how it runs, man. You've got, like, someone in you saying, okay, you're going to get answered this question. No, there's a, a kind of a runching format that they have. And, yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's something, obviously, you want to talk about. You kind of... When, when the camera's on the other guy, you kind of point at the host and say, oh, look, you know, I feel like I want to say something. But you need to sometimes because, uh, you know, otherwise, bother will take the whole... And that's what I find a little bit hard, too, because you, you want to... Um, and, you know, Boz and, and Robbie Slayer and all those, because sort of, they're strong characters, so when they're saying something, like, you kind of try to, you know, oh, you should, but they just keep the look and talking. talk. But, um, you know, I, I value everyone's opinion. I you know, I, value, uh, I think, uh, you know, working with Boz and working with Robbie Slayer and even, uh, um, you know, McBreen, it's, you know, you, you, a lot of... You just hear and see a lot of things that are differently... You think one way, and then suddenly they put a spin on something, and you kind of go, Hey, hang on, I've thought this for a long time. Yeah. But um, I like what you're thinking, you know. So it's, it's, it's good to have all these different opinions. Um, some you don't think are right, but then, you know, the majority are because they've been in that sporting industry for so long and at such an elite level. So you, you take a lot on board.
0: Yeah, Arch, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Because in terms of expression, you could have full reins in everything that you say.
1: Yeah, well, um, I mean, I'm not one really to listen to many podcasts. Everyone's kind of saying that's a new big thing, mate. I I should probably start listening to your ones, but I, uh, I just don't. Uh, yeah, uh, it's probably something I should start to do because there's so many, um, you know, so many people that I that I, I get told, that, oh, you should listen to this guy because he's he's uh what he says is so spot on. And yeah, so um, yeah, I think with the podcast, you probably do have a lot of rain, but. Somehow I'll get rained in, mate. If I too start
0: something, hey, Think about some of the great stories and, like, because you know, being in the game for so long and being through so many soccer ruse teams and playing overseas, like some of the guys that you've met, both from Australia and overseas, you could have some amazing kind of connecting stories, I reckon, that people would appreciate. <laughs>
1: Yeah, probably some of the stories I can't probably tell. <laughs> <Almost> <laughs> Maybe we can put around. an
0: R rating on it. It can put it explicit.
1: Yeah, I don't think some of the boys would appreciate that. Better. Like, you know, what stays on tour, what's on tour stays on tour kind of thing. But yeah, um, yeah probably, I've
0: got some pretty wild stories to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. Hey, Arch. Yeah,
1: terms, pretty much. <laughs>
0: in terms of transition away from things, because when you finished that victory, that was kind of taken away out of your hands a little bit. Were you disappointed at the way that finished and did that make it kind of tougher for you to kind of find what you wanted straight after?
1: Um, look, I, I had an uh, option obviously to be an ambassador for it to, um which I'm doing now alongside uh, Fox Sports, yep. to be an ambassador for two years after football. But the, uh, the problem with that is that I wasn't allowed to go into any other A-league team. So... Um, that was kind of disappointing. I didn't get the option to, if I felt like I still had more to give, um, that I that I could go and play somewhere and still come back. Um, considering everything, i uh, 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 blood, sweat, and tears pretty much for that club. But um, you kind of let go of everything. I mean, I, I was disappointed. I held a grudge for a little while, and I sort of stepped away from the game. Um, a good mate of mine just sort of took me under my, my wing, under his wing, and said, "Look, you know." Let's, uh, you know, spend a bit of time with me, a bit away from the game, um, and you know, just evaluate what you want to do and and make sure that you have the right people around you. Um, for a long time, I held a grudge against victory about how like how it all ended, uh, and yeah. you know, I still felt like I had something to give to that club on the pitch. Um, when I think the depth that they had, I still felt like I could have done a job even off the bench. Uh, but then you know, you, know, you kind of know that your time's going to be, um, you know, your time's up sometimes you want to hold on to something that maybe you don't see that's happening, but other people do. And, um, and then you kind of realize, well, you know, I've given a lot to this game. Um, it's probably time to give, or and the game's given me so much. Maybe it's time that, you know, you sit back and give some of the youngsters that are coming through the opportunity. And I I think, uh, And after a bit of time, I kind of go let go go of everything, and then I went into the ambassador role, and I began to work in the in the community and doing that the things that I love, and that's with the kids, and um, even going to hospital visits and putting a smile on kids' faces. I mean, that to me, that wasn't sometimes I think that was more important than even playing the football. So I still get the opportunity to do that, and I was lucky that I had an opportunity too to go and play in uh, the MPL. Uh, which is, uh, I think, uh, with a, I played two divisions below the A-league. You're know, still having
0: that was a fun. kick. I mean,
1: it, yeah, it was fun. I mean, it, it, it took a while to obviously go, okay, um, the level and the professionalism of it all, when you're certain, used to a certain level for so long. Um, I mean, it took me time. And, I mean, I found myself not enjoying it because uh, I just wasn't, you know, they wouldn't see a pass that I thought was there. Or, yeah. You know, it was just, it was just a... A whole new thing that I wasn't, I'd been part of a, a 20 year professional um, environment where it was always intense, intensity was always high um, the quality was always high and then suddenly, okay, you're going back to part time, guys that have, you know, come off a of work site pretty much and you don't and you just don't realise what sort of these guys go through. Um,
0: Did you and, ever be targeted target you on of, your head? No, no,
1: everyone was, it was actually really good, like you don't realize how much you've done in the game or how much you kind of mentor people until you finish the game, like even playing against people like some of the young kids have come through they were like oh actually, I'm such a massive fan, even during the game, like it pat me on the on the back, and there was not many that were sort of you know targeting me more it was, it was more respect and I think yeah. that's why I kind of enjoyed it more and uh to be able to play with guys that um, sort of look up to you and and, and appreciate everything that you've done and, and are still doing and, and, and uh, you know, obviously trying to learn a little bit off you. It's, it's, and p- because they appreciate everything. I mean, it, I've been in an environment where everything gets given to you. You go know, level or grassroots level, it's a real battle for a lot of these guys just to even pay for boots. So mm. um, it's a real eye-opener and, you know, it humbles you pretty quickly, but, um, you know, I enjoyed every second of it.
0: Yeah, Arch, did your body kind of appreciate not having to train so much and the expectations not really being there to have to score goals and things like that. Was, <laughs> it, was it just an opportunity for you to have fun and just have a well, kick around with a, some good mates?
1: Yeah, well, look, it, it was... Me, like, I think I, I was the one that put more pressure on myself than anyone else because I still wanted to contribute. And, you know, um, you know I felt like I had to because, you know, okay. Well, a big header. I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm Archie Thompson. I'm playing MPL N- 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 two. Uh, I need to give something. I need to score every game. Hmm. Um, but it, it wasn't like that at all. I mean, uh, you know, all the boys were just wrapped that I was there and, and I, was, I was part of their club. And even even clubs that I was going to were like, you know, excited to have me there. So it was uh, it was great. And if anything, that's maybe given me a little bit of drive to even go one more year at MPL N- two. If, if everything, um, you know, obviously with Fox Sports, uh, which is on the Saturday and the Thursday that I do a show also, yeah, it kind of limits me with time that I, I'm having to to maybe even pick a team here in Melbourne. But time will tell because I, I still love the game and still want to keep sitting. It's a great outlet to kind of clear the mind.
0: Yeah, actually, did you play up front or were you kind of on the wing? Uh, what I
1: play? I, was, I I said I want to play up front. The, the least running that I can possibly do, put me up front. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> and that's, where they, that's, where, that's where they put me, so I was like, oh,
0: sweet. <laughs> but it was, no, it was a good fun. Yeah, like, through your career, because you became a bit of a master at both positions, you know, you, you kind of drifted between playing up front and then because of your speed, you know, coaches also see value in you because you can stretch Stretch depth on the defense. What did you prefer actually yeah. playing at the professional level?
1: Oh, uh, look, um, I don't know. I just think I uh, I like to play in that sort of 10 role or that, that one that kind of is allowed to, which I mean, doesn't happen too often these days because it's so structured. It's that player, like number 10, that used to just float around and, mm. and be able to kind of uh, pick the ball up, get a touch um, anywhere on the pitch. I mean, so towards the end of my career, it was a lot more structure, so I had to be sort of a bit more disciplined in where I stood, and, and um, that kind of, in a way, um, I don't know, just I didn't enjoy the game like uh, as much. I mean, when Ernie Merrick was in there, um, I was I was able to kind of go have a free reign. And, and and he was like, well, you know, what you do up, what you do best is you're you're off the cuff, you're you're uncoachable up in that third. sort of that final third so whenever you get whenever we get the ball just try to find space or make runs and you've got a free reign so I enjoyed that part of the the football when I was able to do that I mean a little bit later it was a bit more structured so um, it it kind of limited you from doing like what you did best Um, but you know we still had success with it but uh, it kind of just took away a little bit of the passion for me in the game when I I wasn't allowed to be able to you know float in and out and, and have that freedom Which uh, you know, which I enjoyed, but um, I I did I did prefer to have that sort of free reign and be able to do anything I wanted. Instead of like I got more joy out of sometimes even setting up goals and scoring them. So um, I think that's just the kind of the way the game is now. That kind of changed.
0: Yeah, Arch yourself. When did you actually notice? Because that shift away has happened in, in plenty of sports, particularly the A League and also the NRL, where you know players have become quite robotics like you can only mm. you can only run on one spot you got one line to run yeah on. do you get what i mean yeah and like yeah, I, I definitely definitely yeah when did you and, notice that the structure was different to what you kind of because when you when you came through and you were playing at carlton and marconi i'm sure that marconi was free free reign it's like and then all of a sudden you hit the professional ranks and it's everything structured when did in your career did you yeah. notice that change
1: Look, to be honest, it didn't really get too structured until maybe sort of. I think Ange kind of changed the whole dynamics of the game with the way that he played and uh, with with Brisbane and the way that they were pretty structured and the way they It was beautiful to watch, you know. But uh, I think that sort of was like robotic in a way, and then he came to victory, and then um, that's how that sort of structured system came up. Like we had huge success, but. There wasn't too much, um, you could do outside of that formation and, then Muskie took over and then it was like again pretty structured and, and, uh, we kind of were like, then that sort of almost be, became robotic and, um, and, and it kind of takes away, I think, uh, a lot from the player because, uh, you want to be able to have the player express, um, express himself and, and show what his talents are. And, once you take that away from them, they become very robotic. And, mm. and then when it comes to certain situations, they need to think outside the box or uh, kind of be think off the cuff. They, they almost don't know what to do because they're kind of going, oh, I need to run straight or I need to do this, or, I need to do that. Yeah. And, then, and then the roboticness almost takes away from your ability to be able to think off the cuff. So that's why I, like, I think sometimes now like when I look at the A-League and how structured it is, it's 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 great that they you know they have that kind of ability to go okay I need to be here when I when we're attacking or I need to be there when I'm defensively but I think it should be more the defensive structure that you should be robotic but as soon as you get the ball um, you should be able to have like a a free reign on how you should play or how you play and yeah. you be able to express yourself because for me now I just look at the quality of player. It just it doesn't seem to have the um, individual players that can turn and change games as much as what they used to. Okay, the structure wasn't there, but uh, you know the ability of player was so much greater. I just kind of think is that is that structure taking that away from the player? But I mean, you've got to have some structure. But I think it just should be more defensively than maybe attacking attacking wise.
0: Yeah, guys, a quick break in the show. If you haven't yet, we've got a whole back catalogue. If you're into your football, we've had soccerous of the likes of Jackson Irvine, Matt Yerman, and Bailey Wright on recently. A League lovers: Milos Ninkovic, Nikolai Topol, Stanley, Adam Taggett, Andrew Naboot, Brendan Sandalad, Vedran Janjanovic, Josh Brillante, and Ryan Kiddo, as long as well as a couple of the Matilda girls in Kaya Simon and Alana Kennedy. So, if you're really into your football. Plenty for you to go check out and hear the stories of a lot of our great guys and girls really coming through our ranks in Australia. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show via iTunes and also please leave me a five-star review all the show notes and episode guides can be found on the website www.talkingwithtk.com. Now, let's get back to the show. You know, Arch, what was it like when... Del Piero came to town because I remember watching a lot of his games in Sydney, and it was pumping every single time that he took the field. Do you think the A League needs like a big name like Del Piero back in the game?
1: Yeah, I, I, look, I think it needs something. I just, uh, you know, I want this game to grow, and I don't want to be negative because it was had like so much negative press over the last yeah oh, man, two years, three years about the federation, not. Uh, working together, FIFA coming in, which I think will be great, um, to appoint people in the right places. Look, that's going to be great. But just all this bickering and, you know, we haven't got a, a soccer room coach and um, and, the, and the, there should be expansion. There's not enough opportunities. Man, it's just, it's a bit like all up in the air at the moment. But uh, yeah, I just, I think uh, the quicker we sort things out, it's only going to help our A-League because at the moment I feel like it's plateaued. Um, we just need something to spark that. And I think when Del Piero came in, he, he added, added so much. And I was a massive fan of Del Piero when he was at Juventus. And, um, what and was even it like myself. the
0: f- first time that you went head-to-head with him? Were you kind of fanboy for a couple of minutes then switched on?
1: Oh, like, of course. You you are always when you when you see someone that you've kind of looked up to and admired. I mean, even for me, when it was Mark Reduca, I used and even... Uh, I did play with Harry Kill for a long time in the in the junior ranks, but to kind of come back and and play with him when he, he he's obviously one of the uh, world class players, you know, you you're kind of in awe. And but when when Del Piero, um Grace Del League man, it was such a buzz, such a hype in Sydney. Um, and still, you could see. I mean, at the age, of, what, 38, 39, whatever he was when he came here, you still you could still see that he. You could imagine what he had when he was in his prime. It's just uh, whether we go back or and and maybe uh, revisit bringing someone that has that uh, pull and you know that still have that. They're willing to. to um, I mean, because it's all good and so, said good when you bring players over to that are you know ready to go to pastures. That's no good. But uh, you could see when Del Piero came over, he still had something to give. As long as we make sure that or is the league decide to go down that path, and make sure they bring a, a player that still has a bit bit of gas in the tank.
0: Yeah, in terms of gas in the tank, you know, A-League's obviously in the summer, Arch, but you also played in the winter leagues when you played in Europe. How much more does it take out of your body having to play in the summer?
1: Oh, huge amount. I mean, we were talking about it last week um, when one of the games were on it, you know, the temperature. And, I mean, people that I'll speak to and they, they sort of say, oh, God, the A-League's slow, and I'm like, well, mate, you try to do a 50, 60 sixty metre yard in forty degree heat, in, in, uh, in forty degree heat, and repeat it. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's tough. Um, I, I think it's once when you do play in that uh, in, the, in the sort of winter period, the intensity of the game lifts. So the, you, you it's not as slow because it it doesn't zap your energy as much as it does in summer, and uh, you know, and their sport such an intense game and. And the physical side of it, you can. Um, I mean, I think it's uh, that's something that needs to be, uh, I think, addressed. That maybe, maybe we should probably go back
0: to winter to playing in
1: winter. Yeah, I mean, okay, we're going to clash with so many other codes, but we still want out. We want to still be able to give a product that everyone at home goes, okay, that's pretty cool. That I mean, the intensity in this match is well high. Instead of like, okay, um, in summer, oh man, this game's boring. Let's flick over.
0: Yeah, for sure. It, you know, in terms of you going overseas, just because you started in Australia first, you played plenty of you played a couple of seasons at Carlton and then Marconi as well. How did you get that call up that Belgium wanted you?
1: Well, I um, I went to Carlton and Eddie Crenshaw was uh, uh, the reason why I went to Carlton because I played a bit of time within that uh, Geelong Falcons. Um he had uh, a bit of pull in, in uh, Belgium um, because of the career he had in Belgium. I mean, I mean he was a superstar in Anderlecht. And uh, for those people who don't know much about Eddie, I mean, he was like, he still goes there and he's still a god, you know. So mm. um, he he helped a little bit uh, kickstart that, I mean, with my manager at the time with John Gamord. So we, we kind of just um, searched around and the opportunity came to go to Anderlecht. I went there first of all and um, trained really well with the team. I was really impressed, but when the game came around to have a trial, I uh, I got sick from eating uh, snails and brussels. Don't eat snails and (laughs) (laughs) brussels. So uh, if you go to trial, don't like don't do that. So then I I I flew back home and um, they still wanted me to fly back over and have a game. So uh, straight after the Confederation Cup in Japan, I. I flew directly there, and the next day I was off the plane and having a trial game. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't have the test of games. And uh, lucky for me, there was another um, uh, team from the first division in Belgium watching that game. And pretty much two days later, I'd signed with them. So, um, you know, it's funny how sometimes your opportunity presents itself. But then, from that point on, I kind of, uh, yeah spend my time in Belgium for four years.
0: Yeah, what was the biggest improvement in terms of to your game that you think went to another level when you were over there?
1: I think it was the intensity of the trainings, but it was, I think, um, the attitude of all the players and because, you know, you had so many different, um, uh, what is it, like uh, nationalities and uh, everyone wanting to have a career in football and, and these, these opportunities don't come very often. That I think that was the mindset of most of them. So it was always 100 miles an hour. I've remembered a lot of times here in Australia, it was kind of, you know, if you if you turn up, you turn up. If you, if you don't, you don't. You can get through a session. Whereas pretty much there, you've got to be hitting the ground running. And if you don't, someone's going to take your spot. It's as simple as that. So speak, I think it'd be... Sorry?
0: Did you speak English as a squad? Um,
1: uh, yeah, there was, there was. I mean, a majority majority spoke English, but there was probably a handful that didn't speak English very well. I mean, a lot of the African guys from Ivory Coast that, uh, didn't just only spoke French, so yeah. it was difficult. But um, yeah, it was very difficult. But uh, yeah, like I said, the intensity and, and uh, that, in a way, helped me um, as a player, as just that you know that mental toughness. I think.
0: Yeah, when you came back to victory, I heard you. I read an article the other day. You, you describe yourself as coming back as a bit of a brat. Did you kind of get too big for yourself once you you hit Europe? What happened there, Arch? Oh
1: no, Like coming back, I think yeah, I, I had that ego. Uh, I just felt like because everything was new. Every all a lot of clubs were, uh, you know, having teething issues. Or it's not easy to be able to start something from scratch and put yeah. a squad on paper. So even like I thought the training sessions were a bit slow and the intensity level wasn't there and you know and then the ego takes over and you think you're better than what you are and you're a big fish in a small pond and, and that's the attitude I think I had for like most of that first season and it wasn't until I kind of went away that, that sort of off season and, and again had a taste of being back at PSD and in Europe. that I was thinking okay well I'm actually not a big fish at all like I'm a, I'm a really small fish compared yeah. to the talent out there so I came back after the World Cup and uh, you know, talk, I had a meeting with all the, the sort of senior players. of uh, Melbourne Victory that second year. Uh, this is a, they set a, uh, a level of what, where they want to be, and um, you know, I just kind of jumped on it. I, I, I was lucky enough to play with Danny Orsop, which he was he was a big player for me that helped me, um, almost in a way, get rid of the the ego and 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 not not be more about myself but more about the team and um, i think from that point on it was yeah i mean you are always going to have ego yeah especially but you know but um i, I think I, I got held i felt a bit a bit better and um, became more of a team player
0: yeah did you feel that you know with danny also who you just mentioned in terms of two players that complemented each other's style was he your favorite kind of strike partner
1: yeah, because, uh, man, his work ethic was uh, phenomenal. Like, I mean, he cut all the stick that first year um, because, you know, he wasn't probably scoring enough, a lot of goals. But a lot of people didn't see what he did off the ball. And I, and I think it got recognised a little bit more in a, in a second. And the, most of his time it through just the way he, his work rate. And, I mean, you, you knew that if you were going to have an off game or something, he was going to be the one that – um, you know, picked up as he was having an off game, I was the one that picked him up. So we we kind of just complemented each other well. And like I said, he was he was a big part of me changing my game into being a bit more selfless, not so uh, selfish, but um, selfless.
0: Yeah, and uh,
1: and it was it helped my game uh tremendous amount.
0: Yeah, off the field with you then. Who? What I was going to ask was who taught you how to be professional in terms of looking after your body watching game tape, were you ever kind of structured into that sort of thing or did you kind of just off the cuff it a lot?
1: Oh, look, um, probably a lot of my looking after my body and what I put in my body, I, do, I, I probably didn't um, know too much about until we went to victory and just the sports science. And sports science we have here in Australia, you know, is second to none. Like, I mean, we're, we're, really, we're really one of the leaders in that sort of field. Um, I was lucky that I had a lot of good people at Victory that were able to help me with what I should be recovering with, what I should be eating. and um, You know, I mean, like, we, we we're still human. We still want to have our yeah. chips and chocolate, you know, sure. maybe have a drink here and there. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, um, you know, I was lucky that I had a professional set-up like Victory because a lot of clubs around the A-League didn't have a set-up like we did. We hit the ground pretty much running with the way that we... Um, recovered uh, I mean I think Ernie Merrick was he, he was big on the sports science thing, so we got with the people that, that had the brains about how a player should recover so I mean I, I was still learning even at 25 26 and um, you know probably in, after some of these 3 or 4 years I kind of, it took me a while but then I kind of knew exactly what I needed to be doing so it was good
0: yeah Arch the 2007 grand final 6-0 against Adelaide you score 5 goals how many times did you rip out that tape?
1: Um, no, nah, it's, mate. It's, uh, yeah, that's old news, mate. <laughs> you, yeah. know? you know, I mean, it's still cool. I still get stopped on the streets here and there, or whenever I'm doing a function or at uh, at a, a at a football uh, club. They always say, "Oh, Archie, I was there when you scored those five goals. What a, goals. What a special night!" Yeah. Um. So that, I mean, that's as far as it goes. Like I, I don't like. I mean, it was it was. Amazing to be a part of something special as that and to be part of our first grand final and to win our first trophies. Uh, you know, that will never be um forgotten but uh I think the game for myself been forgotten and you know, I just uh yeah, but it was a special moment.
0: Yeah, is it true that you kind of visualize it? I read somewhere that you were reading the book The Secret or something. Is this yeah, true? Yeah no,
1: it yeah, no, it was big on um you am know, attracting from the universe, and I still am a big believer in it. People might look at me and think, "Oh, you know," oh, you know, they'd probably laugh at me, but I'm still a massive believer in what you, what you believe in, what is what you attract. And yeah. I believe big time that I was going to be, uh, that I was going to have a pretty special night, and I was going to score three goals. And you know, like, for me, it came uh, instead of three, it was five. So it was. Uh, it was pretty special.
0: Yeah, whoever's listening to you, well, you I'm a favour for sure, my man. <laughs> uh, uh, Arch, take me back to your Socceroos debut. Who handed it to you? Was it Frank Farina? Uh, no, yeah, Frank
1: Farina. Yeah, it was 2001, I think, um, but in Colombia. So I think um, the All-Whites had come to me, uh, wanting me to, to, to play for their national team. I had a meeting, I think, after... Or maybe before the game with uh, one of the coaches... At the time of uh, was of New Zealand national team, and he asked if I wanted to, you know, represent uh, New Zealand. But yeah. I think um, Frank Farina had caught wind of that, uh, is what I believe, and he was like, "Okay, well, let's not lose him, and let's give him a cap." Sort of thinking, and I, I didn't, I didn't want to. Um, well, I, you know, I wanted to play for Australia because I, I felt the opportunity to go to a World Cup and be part of a, the World Cup was uh, a a bigger chance with with Australia and, mm. and with the players that it had. And obviously it was going to be a lot harder to get into that squad, but I felt like if you did get into that squad, the opportunities would be more. And um, So that's when I decided to... to OK, I'm going to, I'm going to play for Australia. I've got the opportunity. And, um, you know, it was a bit hard in early days because Frank Farina had his favourites and it wasn't changing many. Uh, it didn't, he didn't really... It didn't matter on... Uh, performances, it was more on names I reckon for that period and uh, I think it didn't change until uh he didn't came in and mm. he kinda of said, Okay, I don't care who you are, um or where you're playing, it's purely on uh how you're performing at training and if you can do a job I want you to do. Yeah. And uh and and that's I think that was great because it just reinvigorated that invigorated sorry, revigorated, <laughs> invigorated <laughs> uh the the squad and um and, and, and it just, yeah, because it was fatal because, you know, there were so many names that had been there around there and felt like they were kind of um, guaranteed a spot that, uh, like I said, came and changed the whole dynamics of how everything was. And um, I think that's why we had the success that we did.
0: Yeah, you know, when he did take over, it was a very quick transition. By memory, it was only like three or four months he had to prepare you guys for qualifiers. Mm. And then obviously playing in the Oceana, you're always going to get through that quite comfortably. But in terms of bringing you guys together as a group, as him as a man manager, you know, he's had so much success at all these different clubs and nations as well. What kind of made Goose stand out, if he did at all, above a lot of the other guys that you've had in your career?
1: I don't know. I think it's just the way that he did talk to players. And um, look, sometimes he didn't uh, communicate very well. I mean, um, I think uh, I read somewhere that Lazarus said that the, the whole hitting uh, cue was overrated. And, uh, you know, so sometimes he didn't like, maybe rub some plays up the right way, but um, it was, it's, he's still someone that you wanted to play for, regardless of how he spoke to you or whatever. Maybe it was because of the success he's had in the past, or maybe just his aura about him, but um, he's just his knowledge of the game... He had a a, a game plan is that, you know, okay, we maybe we haven't got the quality as the other nations but we're gonna be fitter than them mm. and uh when we lost the ball we made sure that we we were we we worked so hard to get back into a position where we're defending.
0: Yeah. And he
1: used to call it running defence. I mean how many times have I heard that running defense, running defence. <laughs> 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 Sounds like basketball.
0: I, oh mate, it was drilled into your mind
1: but um God it 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 just helped the team and um and Every time he we went on the bus, he had a DVD and he was always watching the summer game. It was just his passion for the game and his knowledge of the game was um, you know, second to none. But also, too, I think it was just the way that he was able to um, manage players and see exactly what needed to be said at that time or how he reads players. I mean, it's just, uh, I think that's why he's had so much success wherever he's gone.
0: Yeah. Arch, on reflection now, entering the tie against the Uruguayans, Considering the losing culture that the Socceroos had developed and four years previously also losing to Uruguay, as a group, seriously, how confident were you guys that you were going to get the job done?
1: Yeah, look, I think we were very confident. I think um, we we made sure that we... Uh, I think the resources that we, we, we had back then in 2006 was far better than what we've had in the past. So a lot of investment had gone into um the game against Uruguay with flights, you know, the charter flight back. Um obviously the money they spent on hitting to get from here. Um there was no stone and lost on turn turn, man. Like it was just everything was made sure that it was plotted out perfectly. And um I think that's why we had the success that we did is because like I said, we, we made sure we dotted the I's across the T's Um and uh made sure that and, and that I think that Gave us, um, and, and gave us belief, and and he didn't give us belief, and the coaching staff gave us belief that we were going to do something special, and I think Uruguay uh, you know, underestimated us, and uh, you know that's the reason probably why they didn't go to the World Cup and we did.
0: Guys, just a quick break in the show. Today's episode, of course, is presented today by Populous. So a big thanks to the guys at Populous for presenting today's episode. Coming in May 2018 will be their Master of Arts of Sales event, which will be delivered by the world number one sales trainer, Tom Hopkins. It's one not to be missed. If you're not following either Tom Hopkins or Roasting, who is CEO of Populous, I do tell you, get on boards, especially if you're into things like sales, leadership, and also wellness within the business. So check out... Populous at www.populous, spelled P-O-P-U-L-I-S, dot com, dot A-U. All right, guys, before we get back to the show, I just wanted to give you a quick preview for the next show. Next on the show, we've got former NRL star. He used to play for the West Tigers and also the Penrith Panthers, also in New Zealand international in Paul Fatawera. And here is a quick little preview. What age did you learn how to do the haka? Probably, probably about two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys have, like, practice sessions? To we did, so out? it's
2: pretty much every kid knows how to do the haka back in New Zealand. Yeah. It's just one of those things. You watch the All Blacks, you watch the Kiwis, you watch the softball men's team. It's just something, I guess, globally everyone loves to watch. So you just brought up with it. But properly, and to understand the words and the meaning, it was probably only about two years ago. Yeah. So it was pretty much,
0: yeah. When you're doing the haka and you finish, you guys just look like you are pumped up to the max. How long does it take for you guys to come back down and think about the game and focus?
2: That's a, that's a great question, actually. It's important to control your emotions and short story the last couple of years I have embraced myself back to my culture and, mm. and learning te Reo Māori and learning more about my culture and I find that's a really positive mechanism for me to keep me healthy and well but yeah. as with, with, with the haka it's, a, it's an emotional uh, war dance. You, you, you are calling upon your ancestors and the history of your family and, and our country of Aotearoa there's a lot of history there mm. so you're really just soaking all that all that spirit yep. and strength in But as you said, controlling the emotion and make sure it doesn't get over the top of you because it can be draining if you let it get on top of you. So it's just keeping it balance, understanding who and why you're doing the haka for, but also bringing it back down and just staying relaxed and balanced after you finish.
0: So guys, be on the lookout for that one. If you haven't yet, please either join the free newsletter so you can get told about all the episodes first or you can subscribe for free via iTunes, Stitcher or you can log on to the website, www.talkingwithtk.com. There's a player on there. All the episode guides and players are also on there, so never miss an episode. Okay, guys, let's get back to Archie. In the first leg, you actually started. When did you find out that you were going to actually start the game?
1: Gosh, it would have been a day, maybe the day before, so I kind of just, you know, we were in a hotel and...
0: um,
1: and then the night before we had a, a meeting and something, you know, i rock up and then i see my name there. I was like, "But I, you know, I started a few of the Oceana games that he was involved in. And, uh, but still, I mean, you know, the hitting was part of it. Um, you know, it was still a little bit of me thinking, okay, now nah, I'm going to be on the bench. But as soon as we rock in and, then, and the names were up, there, I was like, Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, the heart started racing. And I was kind of thinking, but there was some, Superstars in that team, Golden uh, oh, yeah. Generation, Gold and you know, I was kind of thinking they're, they're probably thinking, "Oh, you know, I'm playing in the Premier League. and well, you, you? know, what's he got that I haven't got? You know,
0: um,
1: what's he doing that I'm not doing?" But uh, man, I was I was over the moon because uh, for me, playing in that Uruguay game was uh, one of the, um, I think, one of the best moments of my uh, I think soccer root career because the way that that led into, like, a second game and the way to turn football on its head here in Australia, to be really a part of it, like, uh, was was amazing. And that, like I say, I've never been in an atmosphere as, uh, you know, as, as loud and as chaotic and um, as that
0: time at Mont- Montevideo
1: still, yeah, still haunts me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Arch, the second leg when Aloisi's taken the penalty, I remember I was watching footage the other day and you're virtually just stopping yourself from running onto the field. How, as soon as that ball went into the net, like you're one of the fastest in the team. How quickly did you get on the other side?
1: Oh, hey, we all did. I think I looked across and I had one of the slowest guys on the team was almost beating me. Like it's just, I, think, I think that's how much it meant to everyone. Was, God, it was like a, a special moment. I think um, that's got to go down and one of, I think, the biggest sporting highlights in history of, of any sport in Australia like that oh, you always remember times of like okay where you were when Captain Freeman like I say yeah. a lot where Captain Freeman when you ran that 400 metres you knew where you were and you knew you were watching it and, um, that's like an, one of those moments where you knew where you were when the Socceroos qualified for the 2006 World Cup whether you were at the stadium whether you were in some pub whether you are at home you just knew where you were and, uh, and like it's very rare that you have moments like that, that you're part of in sport. And, you know, I was pretty blessed. And I think that's why everyone <laughs> celebrated Or well, I was the first or one of the second off the off the bench to, to celebrate with the boys because it was pretty special.
0: Yeah. Did you get an opportunity to actually celebrate as a group after? Or did they kind of ship you out because you had club duties and things like that?
1: Oh, no. We had we had moments to go back to the hotel and share with uh, the team and, and family and... um but uh, it was pretty much two or three days later I was back playing. I think I was coming off the bench against Newcastle yeah. at, uh, at uh, Olympic Park back then. And uh, So, you know, as high as some of the highs you get uh, in football, sometimes you get brought back to reality very quickly. But it um, was still a moment that we'll, uh, I'll never forget and, you know, I think all of that squad will never forget.
0: Yeah, going to the World Cup, you know, you know, two thousand and six. You know, you finally qualify, even though you didn't get any game time. Is that kind of the pinnacle to be involved in a tournament like that?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, that, it's look, it's. I think um, qualifying for for a World Cup's just as hard as being in a World Cup because, you know, it's it's a little bit of a lottery when you're in a World Cup. Who you're going to get? Um, how the games go? It's it's a It's a little bit of a, uh, you know, it's a group, so you kind of you can sort of see where you have to be at. But with with qualifying, it's such a tedious thing over four years, and um, you know, and it can, (laughs) and it's and it's so hard to get to a World Cup. But I think once you're in a World Cup, um, it it, it feels like okay, you've got nothing to lose here. And uh, but it was it was amazing to be a part of that World Cup because I still look back on some of the footage of where. where a lot of people had been watching the game, reviewing the game, and uh, when we we had um, got a result against Japan, or when we had, we needed that win against uh, Croatia, and uh, you could see in some of those places, like Fitz Square here uh, in Sydney, or in Adelaide, or, like it was just rocking. I mean, we we didn't get a feel of it because we were, we pretty much went to the stadium, went to the compound, went to training, went to the compound. Yeah. The you know, internet wasn't as big as what it is now. So uh, we only got little bits of what was happening back home. But uh, to be a part of it, it was amazing. I mean, I still say that, you know, I think Maury or Popovich or even uh, Lucas Neal wouldn't have the tournament they had if they didn't have me running out of every training session. <laughs> but, 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 uh, but still, it
0: was uh, yeah, I mean, as much as I would have to have gone on to
1: the pitch... Uh, It was still amazing to be a part of something uh, as
0: special as that. Yeah, Arch, that game against Italy, you know, from a Masurba on TV, it did look like at the end of that game, the Socceroos were taking over that game. At pitch level, when you're sitting on the sideline, what was the kind of intensity on the sideline? Did you guys sense the same thing, that the Socceroos were in control?
1: Mate, to be honest, it was a blur. (laughs) That whole World Cup was a blur. Yeah. Um, it's 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 funny, I don't I know, but I know when that, uh, when when I can't remember who got sent off, who was it? Lucas
0: was
1: Neal. It? Yeah, no, no, sent oh,
0: off. Oh, no, no, sent off it was. It was. was. Who was it? Yeah,
1: it was, um one of the Italian boys got sent off. You kind of almost sense, oh, come on, oh, my God, we, we can really get upset one of the world giants in, in football. And, um you know, it just happened, unfortunately, near the end, um the the way that we went out, we went out, but uh, I'll tell you, a lot of the guys, that, well, the, all the guys that played in, in that game, should hold um, hold their head pretty high because we, we pushed them right to the limit, and they were the team that went on and won the World Cup. So who you knows? It could have been us.
0: Yeah, it was Marco Materazzi.
1: Yeah, uh, Materazzi.
0: Yeah. There you go. All right, to wrap things yeah. up, Bart, you have got a couple of personality questions for you. In terms yeah. of your favourite venue to play both here and overseas, where would that be? Uh, I think here would be, have to
1: be Amy Park. Um, and overseas, oh, I don't know, mate. There's, there's been a few great stages of being that title with the national team. Um, I think uh, on, mate, that month of the day I was pretty suspicious. Mate. Yeah, nice like one. to
0: say that.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: All right, Archie, I'm going to take <laughs> you back to your childhood. What posters did you have on your bedroom wall growing up?
1: Ah, uh, gosh. Uh, you know what? I didn't have any, many, many soccer ones. More had like, uh, like bands, like Pearl <laughs> Jam or, or uh, those Stone Temple Pilots <laughs> were the stuff that I had. Well, I can't remember having one, uh, one football post. If it was going to be a post, it would have been a Calais.
0: Yeah, for sure. Hey, Arch, hmm. what do you rate yourself as? Because when you grew up, you came through like New South Wales country and stuff like that. Hmm. And then you've kind of settled back into Victoria your parents, one's Papua New Guinean and the other one's New Zealand, is that mm. correct? Like, Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Are you a New South Welshman? Are you a Victorian? What do you got?
1: Oh, I don't know what I am. <laughs> I know I'm a country boy. I know I'm a country boy. Like, So, you know, I mean, I live in the city and i spent most of my time, like, uh, adulthood growing up in the city. But, I mean, I'm a country boy, so uh, all the numbers where I, I consider home, um, but it, that's Wodonga. So that's Victoria. So. Yeah, I'm
0: Victoria, mate. Yeah, uh, that's why you're through the border. All right, Archie. Yeah. Final question: You're going to be hosting a private dinner party now. You've got five yeah. invites now. Only rules: no family okay. or friends, but you can invite yeah. anyone, dead or alive. Who would you like to invite? Uh,
1: okay, probably Tiger Woods. Um, man, tough day. It's on my phone. Rihanna? Hello. <laughs> yeah, Rihanna. Um just purely entertainment. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um for the man, that's a it's a tough one. Um probably man, you stumped me. <laughs> you really stumped me, I can't think uh Man, you're gonna to have to fill this. Down. If you gave me three, I could give you three. I
0: think so if you like, like, I heard today someone a, a, said. A, to. What are my other ones today? They Rihanna was the first one, then popped out Jessica mm. Alba, then popped out J Lo, and then.
1: Okay, yeah, I can see. I can go with Jessica Alba. I like that. So Rihanna, Jessica Alba. Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods would
0: have fun. Mate, right? tell Tiger Woods, you better watch out. You better put some cuffs on him or something, because he'll be trying yeah,
1: to... Yeah, he'll be, be putting cuffs on them. Yeah.
0: By the <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
1: uh, probably, I, I'd go Bob Dylan. And maybe
0: Bob Marley. There you go. Some good choices yeah. there, mate. Watch out. Yeah. Well, Arch, I really appreciate you joining me on the show today. Before I let you leave, everyone get following Archie on Twitter and Instagram. His channel is 10Archie. Is that correct? Yep. That's
1: correct. Well, that's
0: correct. Fantastic. Well, Arch, all the best, man. Really enjoying watching everything you do on a Foxport. So keep that up, brother. And all the best for the new year. And hopefully we'll chat again soon.
1: Yeah, thanks, mate. I appreciate
0: it. And guys, that was Archie Thompson. Today's episode, of course, was brought to you by Populous, Populus, a leader in management consulting, sales training, and also workplace wellness programs. I couldn't recommend them e- any more. Please visit their website: www.populous.com.au. dot com dot au. So, guys. Another great show. If you're not following Archie, like I said, he's on Fox Sports on Thursday nights, which I really highly recommend. He's also always on the coverage over the weekend covering the A-League. If you're not a follower of him yet, please, Twitter is at 10Archie, which is his his same Instagram handle. So 10Archie, get on there, show him a little bit of support. One of the legends of the A-League and the Socceroos. So he's got plenty to say, plenty of good things to say, as we did find out. In the episode today, guys, if you want to get in touch with me, please send me an email at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com, or you'll find me at Twitter at TalkingWithTK. As we had a little preview on the show next week, we got Paul Fatawira. Also, on the cards in the coming weeks, we've got the likes of Rennie Matua, Richie Vass, Ryan Hitwood, and also the legend of the track, Steve Monaghetty. So, guys, be sure to tune in via iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And like I said, please get in touch and let me know any guest requests or any suggestions you have for the show. All right, guys, really enjoyed bringing that episode to you. I can't wait to bring you some of these episodes next week, so stay tuned. But for now, I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.